This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. I just drink wine. Welcome to the wine situation. The solo season where the situation is that we are all alone or with a small group of people that we live with. And apparently everyone is uh, doing a fair amount of drinking, which guys, you know, moderation, but good Lord. Uh, Yeah, now is not a time to worry too much about a daily glass of wine, I don't think. I I think that's that's relatively healthy. Uh, So yeah, the wine situation. I'm Ellen Clifford, the palate. I'm this close to getting my Wine and Spirit Educational Trust Diploma. I'm a certified SOM, yada, yada, yada. So if I tell you stuff about wine, I have maybe a better idea than some people. I'm still not an expert. I will never say I'm an expert because that would be foolish. There are no such things, I don't think. No, that's not true. Um, Jancis Robinson, she's an expert. Uh, I'm just a person who's done a fair amount of studying. Uh, how is everybody doing? I'm trying to be pretty honest about where I am. I've reached, like, the first few weeks were kind of manic, this is not happening weeks. Almost this kind, yeah, just a mania. And this week, I have just been exhausted, just tired, weary. Um, I, I was starting to, the first few weeks, it was so much FaceTime with everybody every night. And then this last week, I was having a harder time doing that, but the nights I have made myself do it, I'm glad I do because it does make me more energetic. So you guys, I hope you're finding ways to be with people, whether it's on FaceTime or Zoom, or whether you are opening up something delicious to drink with me on the wine situation today. Besides being tired, I've also just been reminded over and over again what amazing wine friends I have. Uh, my friend Shelby, who you heard last uh, last week, she I told her how much I had to spend and that I wanted a lot of women winemakers, and she brought me a, a box from K&L filled with wine with this really cute picture of a cat on the side saying, you've been blessed by the Corin wine cat. And she also put an extra bottle in there of what we're going to drink today. So I can't wait to share it with you. Um, I just got to hang out with my friend Roxy on FaceTime. She's down, you know, make, keeping, keeping, keeping gone in New Orleans. Uh, it's just, this has really been a time to be reminded that even if we are not together, your good friends are going to be there for you, at least in whatever way they can. So, guys, be good friends, be grateful for your good friends, and yeah, I guess I'll save more deep thoughts for later in the show, because as I've said, we have segments and we have tangents. This is the podcast of segments and tangents, so many tangents. I'll try and get you at least a few quality ones. We shall see. Um... The agenda for today is we are going back to the bones upon which the vegan protein of this podcast hang, which is the who, what, when, where, why wine. 
So we'll do that. We are going to learn a little bit about and taste the wine that I have selected to open today from another woman winemaker. Yay. I have a new poll for you guys. Uh, so I'll ask you a question later on to be pondering. And uh, of course, we're going to have a drunk dial because who doesn't love a drunk dial? So let's just get down to it. Uh, let's hop right in to the fire. <laughs> of this podcast hell. <gasps> Just kidding. This podcast is anything but hell. If anything, this podcast has been giving me life. And yeah, I hope you're enjoying it too. Okay. Our who for this week is Hugh Johnson. He's a famous wine writer, but he's also an investor in the wine that, um, the wine that is made in this region. Or he's an investor. Yeah, he's an investor and a winemaker from this region. Um, that's your who. Now, we, I don't think, aside from Madeira, I don't think we have ever tasted a Portuguese wine, ooh, which I oh, uncorked earlier because it's a sparkly and I didn't want to make a mess. Um, see, you might, you might hear me pouring those bubbles out right now. Uh, I don't think we've had a Portuguese wine on the show, actually, that I remember. This week we have a sparkling traditional method rosé we have the Filipa Pato 3B rosé extra bruto from Bairada which is in Portugal uh, I think I have talked a fair amount about Portugal before because I went on a trip there Bairada is a region just uh, a little bit south of Vinho Verde where I hung out earlier well later last year good lord time flies uh, even in quarantine. Um, so Bairada is a, a smaller region uh, with cooler maritime climate. It has a signature grape variety known as Baga, which you don't really see made anywhere else. Uh, this particular wine is 80% Baga and 20% Baical, which is a white Portuguese grape. Uh, before I tell you more about this wine, I'll tell you a little bit about Filipa Pato. She is the winemaker along with her husband, William Wooters. <laughs> the, the website says they're a magical wife and husband collaboration. Their philosophy is simple, create authentic wines without makeup. They express the true nature of the vineyards from which they come. Uh, they really want to express their terroir. So Filipa Pato, yeah, she's our female winemaker of the week. She originally got a degree in uh, chemical engineering, as did, from what I'm reading, did her, her winemaker father, her father, Luis Pato, the Baga rebel. <laughs> he was apparently someone who, despite being into making like traditional method sparklers, kind of uh, helped give the Bayrata region more of a name. He started making wines in different styles, aging them in small new oak, uh, things like that. Uh, so, I, I don't know, I think it's interesting that she went and she had a winemaker father, but she didn't immediately jump into what he was doing. She went out and got that chemical engineer uh, degree, and then she learned about winemaking in Bordeaux, in Mendoza, in Argentina, and in the Margaret River, Australia, <laughs> and then with her father, Luis Pato. So, I don't know, she sounds like a very well-rounded young lady. Uh, her husband uh, comes from a restaurateur family from Antwerp, Belgium. So, <laughs> he is a sommelier champion 
I don't know if that means that he champions sommeliers or that he's like won some sommelier contests. Um, but he is the former head chef of the Belgian national soccer team on the World uh, on the World Cup in Brazil and the European Cup in France. So I can only assume he makes wines that go well with uh, Belgian waffles, fries, something like that. Uh, so that's the story of the winemakers. I, I guess technically it's a female winemaker and a male winemaker, but it's named after her. So yeah. I'm not sure why this particular wine is named 3B. Uh, I wonder if it has to do with the fact that it's from Bayrada and is made from Baga and Bikal. But then I also noticed it's extra bruto, so you'd think maybe if it had to do with that, they would have added a fourth B. But my best guess is that the 3B uh, has to do with Bayrada, Baikal, and Baga, which, okay. Hmm, discrepancy. The the website, their their website said that it was 80% Baga, 20% Bical. The label on the actual bottle says 71% Baga, 29% Bical. So eh, close enough. Uh, do you guys care? Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know how much you like the tech notes. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about the tech notes, then I'm just going to take a taste. Then we're gonna have another clue, and then I'll come back and do a more thorough tasting note on this wine for you. Which, oh, it looks—it looks amazing. <laughs> Can't wait to get into into telling you about it. Uh, so it's a uh, traditional method, which means they made a wine, and they put that wine in a bottle, and then they put some more like yeast and sugar in for uh, to cause a secondary fermentation in the bottle. Uh, then they probably riddled it, where they slowly let all the dead yeast cells drift. Oh, wait, I think this is unfined and filtered. Wait, uh, let me actually just read what they said, rather than trying to tell you myself. Uh, traditional method, second fermentation in the bottle, unfiltered and unfined to maintain the maximum of natural flavors and quality of bubbles in the wine. Nine months on the lees. Um, let's see, they say, rosé sparkling wine, extra brute from Bayrada, Portugal. A very old region of glowing valleys, centuries known for the production of wines of excellent quality of Baga and Bacal. The rural scenery is dominated by the Caramulo Mountain. Chalky clay mid-slopes from the Jurassic Inferior. Whoa, we've got some dino soil wine. <laughs> With eastern orientation to the sun and very intense Atlantic influence. Based on the beauty of Vigno Verde, I am imagining that Bayrada must be gorgeous to visit, too. This just sounds fascinating. Um, winemaker's notes. The grapes were harvested from different locations. Harvest started in August uh, to maintain the fresh and fruity character of the grapes. That way, they will always have the natural acidity, which they love. The first fermentation starts with the natural yeast of grapes. There is no dosage, which means uh, after they, like, take the dead yeast cells out. They, a lot of uh, sparkling wines will add just something a little bit, a little bit of sugar uh, to make the wine not so brutal, hence the term brute, I suppose. But it's getting more and more popular to not add a dosage. Okay, that's all the technical stuff on this wine. And I think that's enough. You get the picture. Let me taste it for you. You're welcome. Ooh. Oh my god. That is huh. 
that's that's fantastic. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, that's very different from any other sparkling. So I, okay, I'm going to give you another clue and then we'll go back and talk about what we taste. So, uh, your who was Hugh Johnson, an investor in uh, someone bringing, bringing wine from the region of the specific wine I want you to guess. Uh, our what is noble rot. That's right, botrytis. The thing that's responsible for a lot of sweet wines and just, um, but not necessarily, but probably. Uh, there's a few different places in the world that make things using noble rots, so you, you might have some ideas by now, but that's your second clue. Okay, back to my tasting notes. So, as I said, this is like a gorgeous, like deep salmon kind of color. Um, the, the bubbles are really fine and delicate. And they kind of, yeah, it's a very fine bubble uh, on the nose. It's medium intensity, but you get like something very floral. Like if someone made a, a loaf of bread with roses baked in it um, and red berries. Yeah, it's like bread that's been baked with berries and roses in it. That's the best I got for you. Maybe a hit of like something a little sharp, like some citrus, some sweet citrus. Let's taste it. Ooh. Um, I'm gonna say it's like, uh, it's, it's quite acidic. I'm gonna put it in medium acid. Uh, I'm gonna say the alcohol. I don't think I've managed to see what that is. Let's go. I don't think the alcohol is that high. I'm going to go 13. I guess that does go into the higher range, technically. I'm going to go around 13. I don't think the alcohol is around 13. Let's see what the bottle says. Um, oh, 11. Okay. Well, I was wrong. I have mentioned to you guys recently that I, I used to be able to, like, boom, nail alcohol. And recently, I've been very bad at it, which is weird because I've probably been drinking a little bit more since uh, isolation. I should be getting better at this, not worse. Hopefully it's just a, uh, maybe it's just a phase. So, yeah. Ooh, the, the bubbles on this are just like really zingy. Like if you picture a twinkly sky, uh, sky filled with stars, just like twinkling, it's kind of how I feel like it kind of like zaps all over your tongue. Like it doesn't, some wines kind of feel like they pass from front to back like smoothly. And this one kind of like pops all over. It's a very playful little line, 3B is, uh, which when you see the picture of the woman on the front, I wonder if that's supposed to be Philippa. It's just like this line drawing. It's of like a woman who looks like she's in sheer ecstasy. It's just her face, like a profile. And she's got bright red lipsticks. Hmm. So I'm tasting more of that red fruit, definitely getting more of that like yeasty, leasy, um, bready character that like if it were a little bit stronger I might be like that's too much bread for me but it's just the right amount and now I really want a crumpet partly because I'm thinking of bread and partly because I just looked across my kitchen and saw my recipe for crumpets sitting out believe it or not crumpets are pretty easy to make and they're great because you can make a bunch of them but the crump hmm see tangents guys tangents do you want to know how to crumpets made I probably 
told people how to do it on the podcast a lot because it's one of those weird things I make a lot. But yeah, it's a yeasty batter. You cook it on one side on a skillet, and then right before you want to eat it, you toast it. So it's really good to cook them on the skillet and then put them in the freezer and pull them out when you want to toast them. They're a delicious treat, and they would be great with this wine with, like, some jam and stuff. That would be wicked. Ugh. Hmm. Ah. Bread, flowers, strawberries, maybe some raspberries, um, a little hint of salinity punching you. Not punching, it's, uh, it's tickling you. Yeah, this wine is very playful. It likes to tickle. It probably prefers to be little spoon, though. It's, it's not the aggressor. Uh, not that being a big spoon makes you the aggressor. I just think of it being, yeah, you guys, tangents. Uh, what else can I say? Hmm. The finish is, it goes on. Um, yeah, I think that maybe this wine has like really good, I'm pouring more because I never pour enough with bubbles because I'm always scared of overflowing. Okay. Um, yeah. Golly, guys. Sorry, I've just become the most inarticulate podcast, uh, podcast host on earth, but at least I got tangents. Should we see what they say about their wine and see how well it matches up with what I said? Because you never know. Hmm. Hmm. In a nutshell, flowers, red berries, bread, and sparkle. There's a heavy dose of sparkle in this wine, which makes sense because it's a uh, sparkling wine. Hmm. Okay, let's see what they say. Uh, the notes from their particular website say, The mouth is refined, creamy, relatively smooth, and has present minerality. The middle palate is fruit-driven, and the aftertaste is dry and refreshing. Oh, I didn't notice that they also... Oh, they have notes for color and bouquet. They call it a clear salmon rosé with fine bubbles. I agree. The nose is very expressive, with hints of strawberries, pomegranate, and anise. Didn't get anise, but... Um, they say this is a perfect aperitif and excellent with uh, a word that I don't like to use in Asiatic cuisine. Uh, yeah, um, I, I take it they mean like food that might be, say, Chinese, Japanese, Korean. There's a word that I don't like to use that people use too to describe that. And maybe it was just a bad translation from the Portuguese to the English. I'm going to overlook that. Uh, I'm curious what I also have... K&L, my friend Shelby brought me this wine from that store. They, their website, they had tasting notes too, so I grabbed them. Let's see what they have to say. Ah, Jeffrey Jones, K&L staff member, says, This sparkling wine is unique and delicious. It is unique and delicious. My God, Jeffrey, I'm on board with your notes. There is a beautiful deep rust color that is very inviting. Don't agree with that. Not rusty. Salmon. Salmon, not rust. Uh, in the mouth, it is very dry with a structure of a red wine. It is lively and tasty and while good alone will go particularly well with foods like mushrooms and light cheeses. Um, hmm. I don't feel like this has the structure of a red wine. So, sorry, Jeffrey. After unique and delicious, I don't necessarily agree. But I do think this would go well with mushrooms and cheeses, so there you go. Oh, I should also mention that this wine for sparkling rosé is totally affordable. It's uh, on, at K&L, it's $17.99 for the 3B. I 
God, I really want to know, and I don't know why. I don't see anywhere in what I've looked up what the three Bs are. If you know, tell me. Do you guys want another clue? Yeah, you do. So clue number one, who? Hugh Johnson. What? Noble rot. When? Uh, in 2013, the like requirements for labeling and aging in this wine region were changed. There were some major changes in this wine region in 2013 on what legally they could do and say about it. So that's that. All right. Guys, I'm making this episode like a little shorter because I feel like I tried to cram so much in last time. I'm still like want people to continue to tell me what they like. Some people want the shorter episodes. Some enjoy the longer ones because these days people have more spare time to listen. Uh, I really keep telling me like how much content do you want me to cram in here? Ugh. I really... Okay, here's the thing. This podcast... Uh, doing it like this has been really wonderful and I've gotten really good response and I really like that you guys are all out there like listening and pouring yourself a drink and like we're all just having so much rosé all the time rosé all day and night but I um, yeah at the same time I cannot wait I cannot wait enough till I can meet people more in person to share these wines, because wine, this wine is fantastic by itself, but if I had someone drinking it with me, I mean, if this podcast got enough subscribers and I were able to start a small business, I would have it where people could subscribe to a club and I would send them the wine that I was going to drink that week so that you could open it and drink it with me. Maybe I should try and make that happen. Um, I was also considering starting a Patreon, but then I was like, maybe there's better things to give money to these days, but then also... I need to keep being able to financially make this podcast. So I don't know. Thoughts, feelings. <clears throat> uh, so God, I'm glad I have an outline for what I'm supposed to do. I would be lost. Tangent! As much as I hope that my legacy will be like brilliant actress, hilarious comedian, uh, wine expert. In all truth, people are going to be like, Helen Clifford, she was funny. She had a lot of tangents, a whole lot of tangents. Okay, uh, next on the agenda was the poll. So I had asked you guys what you were stocking up on, but after talking to Shelby last week, who um, works at K&L, and our drunk dial also works, who you'll hear about later, works at a wine store, wine retail is killing it right now because everyone's just stocking up. So I'm curious where you're stocking up. Are you buying online? Are you buying direct from the winery? Which is great. If you love a winery, like helps to, I think, I think it helps to buy directly from them sometimes. Um, I, I want to know where is everyone going for wine these days? Obviously not a restaurant or a bar, but like what sort of store? Is it more online? Tell me specific stores. Uh, I want to hear it all. Tell me where you get your wine. And I need to give you an additional note as this wine is opening up. There's like a certain tartness to it that I think of like, like, you know, lemon curd. I think of like grapefruit curd. Oh my God. This is like a pink, like not you, grapefruit tastes wildly different depending on what color it is so it's like never a good tasting note just to say grapefruit like you need to specify is it ruby red is it pink 
is it ripe? Is it not? Like, these are the nuances of my silly, silly wine life. But this is like a, uh, this is a ripe pink grapefruit. Not too ripe, just ripe enough. Uh, note that I'm getting on it as it opens. Okay. Back to clues. Like I said, what would I do without bones to hang the vegan protein of this podcast upon? The who is Hugh Johnson. The what is noble rot. The when is 2013 when there were like major changes to labeling and aging requirements. Now we are on to where. I'm going to give you two rivers. The Titsa. T-I-S-Z-A, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, and the Bodrog Rivers. They run into each other in this, uh, the region that makes this wine. T-I-S-Z-A, Titsa, and Bodrog. That's it. Um, cool. I am going to pause before I give you the one last clue. See, this is the thing where I was like, should I have one more segment? I thought about having a movie segment because I want to talk to you all, all about uh, Uncorked, which I really enjoyed, and you guys should all go check out on Netflix, but I'm like, maybe I'll save that for later because maybe there's too much content already. <laughs> I was also maybe going to have a on the food side thing. I'll save those for next week. You guys probably would prefer the shorter. I don't know. Um, but before I get to the why of the who, what, uh, who, what, when, where, why, wine, uh, Please, for the love of God, I shouldn't sound that desperate, but I kind of like, it would be super cool if you'd leave me a review on iTunes. That's all I'm saying, is I'd appreciate it. You, you can screenshot it and send it to me and I'll uh, blow a kiss in your direction. I will figure out um, geographically where you are located from me and stand facing that direction. Gently touch two fingers upon my lips, kiss them and blow a kiss to you, which depending how far you are from me, even will probably like not land, which is probably actually good because we're not supposed to be breathing on each other because we're supposed to be wearing masks if we're gonna be around other people. Um, but I will blow you a kiss and then I'll send you some Reiki because did you all know that I'm second level Reiki certified? True fact! Uh, I forget about it though, but the thing about Reiki is it's not a real thing, but it works. So that's cool. Um, anyway, I'll, what I was saying is if you could go on iTunes and even if you just like click the five stars, that'd be cool. Uh, if you want to say something like Ellen brings me joy or Ellen's obnoxious, but I uh, like her enough to rate her podcast. Uh, go for it. I would appreciate it and I will blow you a COVID-free kiss. Okay, the why of this wine, I feel like a lot of you will probably have figured out at least the region. I'm going for like a really specific, um, a really specific wine from this region, which I'm now like, oh, is there something better I could give you? I, I don't know, the Noble Rod is probably the most important to explain why I wanted you to guess this particular wine from this particular region. Um, although, okay, so the who is Hugh Johnson, investor in a company there. Uh, the what is noble rot. This is all about the noble rot. There are no non-noble rot grapes in this, if this makes it clear. <clears throat> 
the win is 2013 when labeling uh, and aging and whatnot requirements changed. The where is the Tisa and the Bodrog Rivers. The why is that you want a wine that you can eat with a spoon like honey. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm giving you a few seconds to uh, think about that. I'll, you know, I'll riff. I'll riff about this uh, this night with the 3B. I actually was thinking about how many good things and wine. I was thinking about how many good things and food begin with C. I made a whole list. I was like, oh, cookies, cake, chocolate, carrot cake, croissants, coffee, caramel. It went on and on. Um, but I was thinking how many, like, B just seems, if, like, if you want to name a new wine region, you should probably begin it with a B because I'm just talking about like, you know, Bordeaux, Brunello, uh, or yeah, Brunello de Montalcino, um, Burgundy, Barolo, Barbaresco. But then I was also thinking about the like also ran bees, which this is a, a column pitch to anyone who wants to hire me to write it for like the also ran bees, both grapes and regions. Um, like Barbera, uh, Brichetto, Daqui, and uh, Bartolino. Those are three that don't get so much traction, so maybe B isn't the answer. I mean, after all, we're drinking Bayrata, and a lot of people don't know it, but a lot of people just don't know Portuguese wine yet. But they should, because the cool thing about Portuguese wine is, um, I mean, it has to do with their history, why they still most of their wines are made from like grapes that are like indigenous grapes. They are really loyal to those. You will not find wines made with the Portuguese grapes anywhere, but there, um, which is super cool. Uh, but I think it also keeps people from trying it just cause they've never heard of these wines. And so they just, you know, yeah, people like to play it safe, but I will say that you can get really cool wines for like really good prices from Portugal. I was blown away when I was uh, visiting Vinho Verde, some of the most oh, fabulous wines, and they would tell me the price. I'm like, what? If I were allowed to bring back more in my suitcase, I would. So you've had enough time to tune me out and like figure out what wine I'm talking about. The specific exact wine, although there's a lot of like adjacent answers that I would probably be like, okay, you get gold star anyway. Um, I'm talking about Tokai Azencia. That's spelled T-O-K-A-J-I space, capital E-S-Z-E-N-C-I-A. Uh, so here's the thing. In Tokai, uh, in Hungary, their most famous wine is, or wines are from the Tokai region where uh, they, so the rivers, the two converging rivers are really good for creating morning mist and then afternoon sun comes out and dries the grapes and these are like the conditions that are really good to create noble rot which uh, like shrivels the grapes and makes them raisins basically. And the system they used to do that was very unique to Tokai was they would take the uh, noble rot uh, grapes and mash them to a paste and then put them in a fresh wine of non-noble rot grapes. And depending how many baskets they put in, they'd give it a different labeling thing. Um, but 
like the pinnacle and so like it, also they had different levels of sugars uh depending so it would be like four petunios five petunios six petunios six was the max um in 2013 they changed these things uh but the one wine that was like the sweetest the thickest the wine that like was so expensive because it was only made of raisins was tokai essentia yeah uh free run juice of rosin uh raisins basically it's like i think it's like at least 450 grams of sugar per liter uh and i've never had it i've seen pictures of it where people serve it on spoons and i really want to try some because i've had tokai i've had Saturns. i've had yeah, or I've had different levels of Takai, I should say. Uh, yeah, it's crazy that the they're doing a different style too. Like if you okay, Tokai Sensia, same thing. It's always going to be the free run juice of the uh, the raisins. It doesn't get very high in alcohol because the sugars stop the fermentation before it can go too far. Uh, but it takes a long time just even to do that. Um, but all the other uh, levels of sugar, depending on the amount of the uh, azu. So azu is the uh, term they use for the grapes that are shriveled with the noble rot. Um, the different levels of that get different labeling terms. And I haven't tried a whole lot of them, but I would like to. Uh, the, the way they make the stylistically, what's in fashion for those wines is changing a lot. It used to be they aged them in like for longer times for more oxidative nuts, uh, nuts, <laughs> notes, like nuts. And now a fresher-ish style is taking place. Also, so if you're curious about what grapes go into this, they are Ferment, F-U-R-M-I-N-T, Harshlavalu, and Sarga Muscotli, which is also known as Muscat Blanc uh, Petit Grand. Uh, but there's like a, been an increasing trend in the region as the world seems to like, this is why I wrote an article called It's Okay to Like Sweet Wine because people have been told they're not allowed to or they're not supposed to. But as people seek that out more recently in the Tokai region, they are making more dry wines. But yeah, anyway, the, the wine I was hoping you would guess because I was like, it will only have noble rot was the Tokai Azencia which I really want to try because who doesn't want to have wine that you could have on a spoon? It's like jello shots, but with really expensive raisin made dessert wine. Okay, my loves. And I don't say that lightly. I, anyone who listens to this literally, I have such a sense of love for you. Um, it is time for me to get to the drunk Adele. So, uh, I've been trying to get her on the show forever, but like she works a lot and I work different hours and especially when David, bless you, David, you're still editing these for me, even though I, you're not here to record them and make my sound extra good, but what are you going to do? You're doing great. Um, we just could never find a time to all get together. So we've been trying for a while. She, uh, she is like a manager at Highland or wine director. I should check her. She's in charge of the wine at Highland Park Wine, which is a wine shop in Highland Park. Uh, she's a Yola Mezcal brand, brand ambassador, uh, uh, Andrea Onofre, who I've only met in life like a few times, but like she is good people. And we've just been like, trying to coordinate uh for a while now and i oh, okay fine 
So guys, I don't always call people at the end of the podcast because sometimes I record this really late at night and that would be rude. So, but quote unquote drunk dialed. I mean, I was kind of drunk in my head because I get, I actually get kind of nervous, especially with people I don't know really well, like, like her, um, that I, yeah, I don't know that they don't want to talk to me or that, yeah, so I get a little, um, I don't know, nerves. I sometimes think like being really nervous will make you just as like awkward and like not good at doing things as, as uh, being drunk is. So I quote unquote drunk dial her. Um, we had a really good conversation. Uh, she's super cool. I can't wait to hang out with her when we're free to do so if we can find times in our schedule because apparently we can only, yeah, um, it'll be good. I can't wait. Uh, so please enjoy this uh, Q&A with Andrea Onofre. Hi, Andrea. Welcome to the show. Hi. How are you, Alan? I'm good. It, um, we've been trying to get you on the show for like months, and it only took us being in quarantine and a pandemic <laughs> to make it happen. So I know. Um, <laughs> I, I Not proud of it. <laughs> kind of the bonus of like everyone who it's so hard to find time to schedule with with the, with the phone call thing we can we can make it happen whenever we want exactly fast and easy <laughs> uh, okay well i have the final five questions to ask you so if you're ready oh, we yes. can jump into them i'm ready all right question number one what you drinking these days what are you what are you into well you know i am definitely not discriminating in any like uh colors or anything i've been drinking all sorts of wines you know like when it's a little bit colder i'm you know usually craving a little bit more of red i don't know i feel like you know we're constantly like just picking maybe i start with some sparkling and then i transition to red <laughs> or, you know what you know like today it's really nice it's a really nice weather and i really I've been really craving rosé so much. Oh my god, me too. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm like currently drinking. It's something that oh. I'm about to um, consider. So it's one of it's a super classic producer. It's one of my favorites, actually, in terms of rosé. Um, it's Chateau Perasol, and oh, I like them. The lot. Yeah. Like I'm not normally a big Provence rosé person per se, yeah. but I love them. They're great. They're great, you know, it's in Provence. I know that it's like something super classic, but they came up with a really, really nice uh, vintage this year, and it's just like perfect. That's what I'm drinking. Nice. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Question number two, what's the best yeah. pairing you've ever had? And it can be anything. We've had people say everything from scotch and a banana to cigars and burgundy. So it can be any kind of pairing with, of a drink and something else. <laughs> Well, it's funny. Um, there's two that I've like had like really memorable. This one's gonna be kind of crazy, but one time um, we had a really good friend of us and customer too brought a 1987 um, Chinon uh, to the wine shop one day, and one of my coworkers happened to have like a bag of Ruffles, you know, the cheese ones, and mm -hmm. it was amazing. <laughs> Truffles and Chinon? That, yeah. That, that sounds great. <laughs> it was so weird, but it was perfect. It was <laughs> just the right, you know, thing. And I know that it sounds weird, but 
Hey, we're, what what? Not weird nowadays. <laughs> I know, and also that's just more interesting. So I like it. <laughs> yeah, it was um, weird, and then you know the other one, which I'm sure a lot of people have mentioned, but I love it, and I just keep loving the pairing every time. It's fried chicken and bubbles. Ah, uh, yeah, people. I, I've never had fried because I don't eat meat, but I've had like uh, sparkling and anything fried usually, like anything potato, fried. I, yeah, potato chips and, and bubbles would be my my equivalent of that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's one that I definitely fall for a lot. So, <laughs> excellent. Um, okay, question number three. Who's yeah. the first? I, I don't know if you're, I guess you're, because of Highland Park Wine, I suppose you're getting to interact with people and drink with people more often. But when it comes to the people that you're distancing, who, who's the first person who you're excited to raise a glass with when uh, when all this is, is uh, when we're getting to all be social again? <laughs> I know this is weird because I keep saying <laughs> a bar that you're particularly excited to go to when it reopens or either one yeah. you can answer both of those if you want either one <laughs> yeah so I mean one of the you know the person that I would definitely would go out as soon as this is over is definitely Sarah who is actually my coworker. we're working together but every day almost and we keep dreaming about doing it outside of the store you know like going out and having that first drink and I think it's going to be me and her I think she's like the first person that comes to my mind and in terms of a bar uh, I've been dying I've been missing Otoño over there in Highland Park I've heard that my friend Roxy uh, also former uh, former call-in on the show uh, she she loves that place I heard it's so good yeah, and I love the people. I miss, you know, all the people that work there, the bartenders, chef. It's just like mm. one of those places that every time I go in there, I just have an amazing time, and it's I, I'm craving it so much. Uh, I hear that. I I my home away from home is Covell, and I'm like I can't wait to get back there. <laughs> so what about you? I just got curious. <laughs> what What about me? Yeah, like which oh. is there a place that you're like I oh. want to go here for thing? Yeah, well definitely Covell, and then also like I live my walkable bar is Crawford's um, here mm. in Rampart Village, so I just I can't wait to just be able to walk down to Crawford's again just by myself and say hi, and I know everybody there, and just you know chill out and talk to random people. It would be so nice. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Uh, question number four is, if you made a wine, what kind would you want to make and what would you name it? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> Sorry, I like to throw it into people. Uh, no, I like it. What kind in terms of like what varietal or? Yeah, or style, either one. Is there something you can imagine? Mm, I think that I would like to experience I mean one of my favorite um great forever is Cabernet Franc so I feel like I would like to play around with some Cabernet Franc or maybe some de May I would like to do something that's you know approachable I feel like that will be the first type of wine that I, that I would attempt to make 
Um, and in terms of name, oh, I don't know. I guess something related with my life in Mexico or something. I don't know. That's the yeah. first thing that comes to my mind. <laughs> something I like that. Like it. Okay. Well, this yeah. is, we just have one uh, one more classic question that we always ask at the. I say we as though I still had a co-host. <laughs> I'm using the royal we now. Um, the the final five final question is: What is bringing you some joy these days? What is bringing me some joy? Um, you know, I have really been enjoying cooking when I'm not at work. Ah, um, yeah. I I mean, I in general like love cooking. Actually, I did happen to go to school for culinary arts in a past oh life, and that was. Yeah, that was my background. So I feel like I got really rusty because I'm always working. And now that I have these like off days uh, where I get, I have time to create and cook things. It's something that it's amazing. It's connected me with so many things that I kind of feel like I had left forgotten for a while. So that's something really nice. And I've been enjoying walks outside. <laughs> that <laughs> brings me joy for sure. Yeah. Um, Cool. Okay. Well, um, if people want to find you, they can order wine from you at Highland Park Wine. Or yes. Not, um, or where do you want to tell people where they find you on the internet, like social media or anything? Yeah. I mean, just give us a call to the wine shop. I mean, we have limited hours for now. We're open ten seven, but what we're doing is curbside pickup only. We are transitioning over the phone, just you know, for the safety of us ourselves and also customers but yeah you can always give a call we'll help you it's, it's a very cool process we just help you pick what you need give us a number of bottles colors and then we get it from there so it's cool um awesome. and also um for yola which is also something that you know i do i read for uh, yola mezcal i think i don't know if we talked about it but oh yeah we, <laughs> I, we had an um I in your intro that you you don't hear because I do it when I'm recording the rest of the show I I mention that um but yeah uh just in case I forget to say that one okay you guys spoiler alert I say spoiler alert I don't know why you misuse that term all the time <laughs> I uh I don't always call people exactly when I'm finishing recording the body of the show but I'm going to in the intro <laughs> Uh, that's so funny. Um, you gotta think it sometimes. <laughs> um, and then that's you're so on Instagram. You're Vin Dreezy. That's yeah. right. Yes. I um, mean, it's also you know long time name, but mm. Vine because of the Vine, the great. Yeah. Oh wait, Vine. Oh, I get it. Ha. I always was pronouncing it in my mind differently. Um, <laughs> it's uh, don't worry about it. It's actually. It's something that I, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, with the mezcal, too, I mean, we have been, with Yola Mezcal, we've been trying to help um, bartenders and, you know, people in the industry pretty much. So we have been doing all these promotions, and whenever people buy a bottle on the website, we donate to help oh, that's so cool. um, bartender foundations. And, yeah, we're doing a lot of, like, uh, Instagram live cocktail uh, sessions and then recipes on the story. So, yeah, it's a lot of, like, trying to bring joy to everyone. Well, I think you're doing a good job. <laughs> <Thanks>. um, <laughs> so, well, thank you 
so much for doing the show. Uh, Thank and- you. I, I can't wait for a real podcast moment. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> um, so someday we'll we'll do this again, except in person. <laughs> yes, I can't wait. <laughs> cool. Thanks for listening, everybody, and cheers. Oh, cheers to you. <laughs> Glass. Glass. I just drink. This has been a Boardwalk Audio podcast. For more information and shows, visit BoardwalkAudio.com. Don't forget to rate and subscribe now.